Well, it is a privilege and joy to be preaching God's Word to you this morning. We're going to look at this chapter in Philippians. We're going to look at one verse from Philippians chapter 1 as we continue our series in Joyful Witnesses. And then after we look at this, Pastor Jeremy's going to come up and talk to us a little bit about the steps for our in-person gathering next week. I said this to the first group, and I'll say this again. I have preached the gospel all over the world. I've preached in mud hut buildings and dirt floors and churches in the Andes Mountains with sheep and goats running in and out. I've preached in secret house churches in North Africa. I've preached in major urban areas in Europe. But never have I ever, until this morning, preached from a flatbed trailer. And so I guess Pastor Jeremy really meant it when he said, we're going to have to redneck you up. It is a privilege and joy to be preaching no matter where from. This morning we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 1, verse, just verse 21. I'm going to read this verse and pray for us as we hear from God's word this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is is gain. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in this time with so many distractions in this unusual circumstance, and we pray, God, that you would focus our hearts and minds on Jesus Christ. We pray that you would speak to us by your word, that you would help us, Lord, to live for Jesus, to die for Jesus. We pray and ask these things. In his name, for his glory. Amen. Something you probably ought to know is that during my life, I've spent some time in jail. Now, I've never been arrested or anything like that. But I have visited some old historic prisons on tours. The old jail built in my hometown, Cynthiana, built in 1886, still stands to this day. And when you take a tour of that jail... And you walk through those big iron doors, it really does feel like you're traveling back in time. But by far the most memorable prison I've ever been in was in Italy. While my wife and I were living in North Africa, we made the short trip over to Rome for our third anniversary. And we visited the prison where it is believed that the Apostle Paul was held. I can remember walking down these narrow spiral steps down down into this small dark damp room and by the time we got down in there i was ready to get back out there was just this one little grate one little hole with a grate over in the ceiling where a little bit of light would come through and it was crazy to think about to imagine the apostle paul in that place with chains on his wrist writing a letter like the letter to the Philippians. I mean, I could see him writing something kind of depressing, like Ecclesiastes, maybe something sad like Lamentations, maybe a prophetic judgment against the Roman Empire. But Philippians, this book that's just bursting with hope and joy, how could he have been thinking about being a a joyful witness in these kind of circumstances? If we're honest, 
a lot of us struggle, right, with when we're in uncomfortable, difficult circumstances, a lot of us aren't thinking and focusing on being joyful witnesses. I can tell you when I was down in that prison cell, it felt more like a, a prison pit. And the first thoughts that came to my mind were not all sunshine and bubbles. I wasn't thinking about, how can I share the gospel here? I'm thinking about, how can I get out of here as soon as possible? And that's how a lot of us think when we get into uncomfortable, difficult situations. We're not focused entirely on how can we be joyful witnesses in this situation. We're mostly thinking, how can I get out of this situation? How can I get back to normal as soon as possible? But what God's word calls us to in the book of Philippians is to be joyful witnesses no matter what. In chapter 1, verse 20, Paul begins reflecting on the meaning of life and death. He's in prison. Execution could be looming. And he starts thinking, what's the point of it all? What's the purpose of my life? And in Philippians 1, verse 21, he, the verse we're considering today, he writes some of the most coffee-cupped Christianity words in the whole book. A verse that has so often been ripped out of its context that it's lost a lot of its original meaning. And if we're not careful, our over-familiarity with these words can cause us to miss their power. Because what Paul says here is nothing short of absolutely radical. What Paul says in this verse is that the greatest aim in life is to make much of Jesus Christ for His glory and the good of others. And the greatest advantage in death is that we will leave this fallen world and go and be with Jesus forever. This is the heart of a joyful witness. If we're going to be joyful witnesses, no matter what, we have to have the same heart as the Apostle Paul that we see here. And in order to have the heart of a joyful witness, we must live for Christ, die with Christ, and live with Christ. In verse 20, Paul tells us that his eager expectation, his passion, his great longing is to honor Christ, whether by life or by death. His greatest desire is to magnify Jesus, to glorify Jesus, to make much of Jesus Christ. That's what to live as Christ means. It means to live for Jesus, to live as Jesus is the purpose and meaning of life. The reason why we exist completely for Jesus. Everything we think, do, believe, say, feel is a hundred percent for Jesus. The reason we get up in the morning, the reason we go to bed at night is for the glory of Jesus Christ. Our primary commitment should be Christ alone. Nothing and no one come even close. We live solely for Jesus to get the worship he alone deserves from everyone and everything on this earth. And Paul tells us what this practically looks like. To live as Christ does not mean to live is just all about me and Jesus. Paul explains what living for Christ looks like. And it's not selfish, it's selfless. He explains what it looks like in everyday life in the following verses. He says in verse 22... If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So living for Christ means fruitful labor. What kind of labor? Well, he tells us in verses 25 and 26. 
I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. That's it. Living for Christ means fruitfully laboring for the sake of the joy of others in Christ. Why? Paul tells us so that they will glorify Jesus. So according to Paul, to live as Christ means to live for Christ, to be glorified in others as we help them grow in their faith and joy in Christ. So many of you have been joyfully doing this right now during these difficult circumstances. You're making YouTube videos, encouraging people to pray and posting them online. You're making online Bible studies, recording yourselves doing Bible studies and sending them out to people. You're getting on Zoom calls and sharing concerns with one another and praying for one another. You're making letters and encouraging cards and sending them out. You're making meals, serving one another, leaving them at a socially safe distance at people's houses. You're sharing the gospel with friends and neighbors. You're getting on social media to talk about uh, how to be a godly mother. All these different ways. I've been so amazed by how we as a church have been living for the sake of the joy and growth of others in Christ during this time. And this is how joyful witnesses live all the time. If you want to know if you are really living for Christ, ask yourself this question. What are the names of the people that you are laboring in their life to help them grow in their faith and joy in Jesus? It could be people who already have faith in Christ or who don't yet have faith in Christ. If you're a parent, it could be your children. It could be some neighbors or some family or friends or co-workers. Whose growth and joy in the faith are you laboring for? Or another way to say it, who are you evangelizing or discipling for the sake of their lives that they will honor Jesus more by how they live? Hopefully, for many of you right now, faces and names are coming to mind. But if you can't think of anyone at all, that's not a good sign. It's possible that you're just going through a dry spell right now. It's possible that you've had fruitful seasons of laboring for the sake of others' joy and faith in the past, but that for whatever reason right now you're going through a dry season. That's a real possibility. But if no one comes to mind at all, it's also a real possibility that you aren't living for Christ. And if you aren't living for Christ, well, then who are you living for? As Pastor Jeremy pointed out last week, so often for us to live as Christ is replaced by something or someone else. It might be to live as children or to live as mom, to live as dad, to live as health, to live as wealth, to live as work, to live as success, to live as entertainment, to live as sex, to live as pleasure, whatever it might be, if you're not living for Christ, you're living for an idol. And if you're living for an idol, then dying is not gain. Dying is loss. Because when you die, you lose your idol. You can't keep it. You can't take it with you. So dying is not gain. Dying is loss. So the two questions to ask yourself to find out if you're really living for Christ are, first, 
who are you evangelizing or discipling? So they will grow in their faith and joy in Jesus and honor him more by their lives. And second, do you really believe dying is gain? Now we have to be very careful with that second question. For the same reason we have to be very careful with the second half of this verse. You cannot understand the second half of this verse without the first half. Satan loves the second half of this verse. Jesus said that Satan came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. How many times has Satan twisted these words out of their context for his evil purposes? How many times has Satan whispered into the ears of those who are depressed or suicidal, dying is gain? How many times has the abortionist got their paycheck and thought, dying is gain? How many people encourage the handicapped or the old or the weak to take their own lives at the end of a doctor's needle with the words, dying is gain? Satan loves the words, to die is gain. But he absolutely hates the words, to live is Christ. And those words help us understand what Paul means when he says to die is gain. Paul's clear why dying is gain. He tells us what he means in verse 23. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul says it'll be far better for him to depart this fallen world with all the suffering and imprisonments and beatings and pain and go and be with Christ forever. When you live for Christ, when Christ is the purpose of your life, then dying is gain because you will finally be with Jesus face to face. Psalm 1611 says that in Christ's presence is fullness of joy. So according to the Bible, there is nothing that this fallen world can offer us that will even come close to the joy that we will have for eternity with Jesus. That's why death is gain, because we get to be with Jesus. If we truly live for Christ, if he is the purpose of our lives, then nothing will make us happier than being with him for eternity. This approach to death was just as radical then as it is today. Today, in our culture, there are basically two approaches to death, and neither one of them line up with what the Apostle Paul is saying right here in this verse. Now, listen up, kids, because you're going to like this next little bit. This is for all the children, for all the young at heart. You may or may not have realized this, but children's stories often reflect deeper realities ingrained in human nature. So take the Winnie the Pooh stories, for instance. Each character reflects a certain vice or emotion taken to their extreme. So Pooh, for example. Pooh is an addict. He is addicted to honey. He's very gluttonous. His insatiable appetite for honey gets him into all kinds of problems. Tigger, Tigger has ADHD. He has basically zero self-control. He's literally bouncing off the walls. And then Piglet and Eeyore really show us the two wrong approaches to death that we see in our culture. On the one hand, you've got the Piglet people. These people are scared of everything. They're terrified at the prospect of death. Their view of death is, oh, dear. But then, on the other hand, you've got the Eeyore people. Now, I myself 
I tend more towards this direction. They're just apathetic. They don't care anymore. They say things like, well, when I go, I go, I guess. When I die, I die. There's nothing I can do about it. Their view of death is, oh, well. But neither one of these approaches is right. Neither one of these approaches is what Paul is talking about because neither one says to die is gain. And neither one says to live is Christ. How can you tremble at the thought of death and say, oh dear, when you will close your eyes in death and open them, and the first face you will see is the Lord Jesus Christ? How can you just apathetically shrug your shoulders and say, oh well, at death, when you will take your last breath in this fallen world, and the first breath you take will be standing in front of Jesus Christ? If your view of death is, oh dear, or oh well, it's because you aren't living for Christ. If you aren't living for Christ and instead you're living for an idol, then dying is not gain. It's not gain because, like we said, you, you lose your idol. You lose what you've been living for. So you either tremble in fear or apathetically shrug your shoulders at death. But if you live for Christ... If Christ is the reason you live, if Christ is the purpose of your life, then when you die, you will not lose Christ. You will gain more of Jesus Christ. When we live for idols, we lose. But when we live for Christ, we gain. When we live for Christ, we no longer approach death fearfully, but fearlessly. We no longer approach death apathetically. We approach death joyfully because we know that we will be with Christ. Now, believing dying is gain does not make us reckless. It makes us fearless. We don't go around licking doorknobs in the midst of a pandemic. But we also don't stay locked up in our houses shaking in our boots. We value life. We defend life. We steward our lives wisely for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others to know Jesus Christ and to glorify him. We do not live like the rest of the world because we don't believe that death is the end. We believe that death is the beginning. So that means that we are willing to do whatever it takes to live for Christ. We're willing to sacrifice to put ourselves in danger, if that is what it means, in order to get the gospel to every people group on earth, that they will glorify Jesus Christ. We spend our lives for Jesus. And when we spend our lives for Jesus, death will be gain. Dying is gain only if you live for Christ and die with Christ. The reason why we have to die with Christ is because we haven't lived for Christ. God made us to live for his glory, to make much of Jesus every waking moment of our lives. But we haven't done that. We have all disobeyed. We have all sinned. We have all lived for ourselves. We have all lived for idols. And because of that, the Bible says that we are dead in our sins. And when you are dead in your sins... You can't live for Jesus. The reason why we don't live for Christ is because we are dead in our sins. And 
For those who are dead in their sins, dying is not gain. Dying is terrible, terrible loss. Because dying means separation from Christ for eternity. It means endless pain and suffering in hell. But there is good news. Jesus always lived to make much of God for his glory and for the good of others. He lived the life we were supposed to live. And he died the death we deserve to die for our disobedience. He suffered the punishment for our disobedience in our place on the cross. He died, but his death was great gain. Philippians 2 says that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dying was gain for Jesus because by his death, he gained the name above every name. By his death, he gained the exaltation as Savior and Lord of all. And by his death, he gained salvation for all who would put their faith in him. By faith in Christ, we are united to Christ. We are so united in Christ that Paul can say in Romans 6 that we have been united with Christ in his death. That our old spiritually dead self was crucified with Jesus on the cross. When we confess and forsake our sin and trust in Christ alone for our salvation, then we have died with Christ. And we have been raised with Christ. Now, our hearts are beating in alive, spiritually alive, because we have been raised with Christ. Paul says this in Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's how we get the heart of a joyful witness. In order to say with the Apostle Paul, and really mean it, to live is Christ and to die is gain, you must repent and believe in Jesus. When we are united to Christ by faith, we die spiritually with Christ on the cross and we are raised to new spiritual life by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are born again. Now the Holy Spirit dwells within us and by his help, we can live for Jesus. We can live for Jesus because we live with the spirit of Jesus within us. The Holy Spirit lives to make much of Jesus. And by faith, the Spirit lives within us. The Holy Spirit transforms our hearts, our motivations, our desires. So that every day that we walk by the Spirit, the Spirit plucks the weeds of worldliness from our hearts 
and plants down the seeds of spiritual fruit in our lives so that we will live for Jesus and for the good of others. The longer we live by the Spirit of Jesus, the more we will live for Jesus no matter what. Paul could declare to live as Christ, to die as gain from a dark, damp prison cell in Rome because he was filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The more we live with the Spirit of Jesus and live for the glory of Jesus, the more we will desire to be with Jesus. Even if we lose our health, even if we lose our wealth, even if we lose our families or jobs, even if we're in uncomfortable, difficult circumstances, even if we might lose our lives for the sake of the gospel, we are willing and able to say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because even in death, we will depart this fallen world and be with Jesus. We will be able to look fearlessly and joyfully in the face of death because standing right behind death is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with arms wide open, with a smile on his face, ready to welcome us into paradise where we will live for Jesus, with Jesus, with endless joy forever.